0: back. We would like to note uh, this is the part of the show where if we're going to have an obituary, we should do it. This the top of our third segment. Uh, So I think we cannot uh, go through this show without mentioning the passing this week of Simon Wiesenthal, who passed away at age 97 in Vienna, Austria. Uh, Simon uh, Wiesenthal or, or Weisenthal uh, is well known for having been the man who was ruthlessly pursuing uh, Nazi war criminals and for the decades after World War II. Wiesenthal had been an architect before the war. He changed his life's mission afterwards and dedicated himself to trying to track down Nazi war criminals and was really the voice for six million Jews who died during the onslaught. Uh, Wiesenthal himself lost 89 relatives to the Holocaust. He preached for decades that the past must never be forgotten. Quote, when history looks back, I want people to know Nazis weren't able to kill millions of people and get away with it, unquote. Wiesenthal was born in December of 1908 in what is now Western Ukraine. His father was a wholesale jeweler, killed while a soldier in World War I. The young Simon witnessed atrocities against the local population, particularly Jews, by rampaging Ukrainian, Polish, and Russian forces. After the Nazi-Soviet Non-Aggression Pact was signed in 1939, the Soviets began a purge of Jewish merchants and professionals in Ukraine. When the Germans invaded the Soviet Union in 1941, he was swept up by the SS, moved among several concentration camps, narrowly missed numerous mass killings, attempted suicide twice to avoid torture, and ended and endured forced marches. When he was finally liberated from the Mauthausen camp by American forces on May 5, 1945, the six-foot Wiesenthal weighed less than 100 pounds. Reunited with his wife, each thought the other was dead, Wiesenthal offered to describe everything he'd witnessed to a U.S. Army section investigating war crimes. The evidence was used in prosecutions. That effort led to his forming the Jewish Historical Documentation Center, a group of volunteers who worked to assemble evidence for trials. But as the Cold War deepened, Many governments lost their appetite for prosecuting Nazi war criminals. Wiesenthal's volunteers drifted away, his money, money dried up, and he closed shop in 1954. During that period, however, he received credible information that Adolf Eichmann, one of the most prized targets of, uh, of the Nazi regime, was in Argentina. He shared that information with the FBI and the Israeli Secret Service. This might be a good moment to, to mention an obituary that I've been hanging on to since earlier this year, noting the passing of Peter Malkin, who uh, in 1960, in fact on the night of May 11, 1960, was in Buenos Aires and was one of the three Mossad agents who snatched Adolf Eichmann off the streets of the city. Eichmann, we should note, had been the chief architect of the murder of six million of Europe's Jews during World War II. He personally coined the term Final Solution to describe the genocide. On that cold, wet night in May of 1960, Malkin saw Eichmann get off a bus, stepped forward, spoke the only Spanish he knew, un momentito, senor, and then grabbed the startled Eichmann by the throat using gloves. Malkin later recalled that did that so that he wouldn't have to touch him. For 10 days, Malkin and his team interrogated Eichmann in an Argentinian safe house. He was expecting a monster, he told the London Times. Instead, he found himself perplexed by the sheer mundanity of this bony-looking man who'd been capable of such unmeasurable evil. Malkin had numerous conversations with his prisoner. At one point, he confronted him about the death of his sister, Fruma, and her son. My sister's boy, Malkin said, he was just your son's age also blonde and blue-eyed, and you killed him. A puzzled Eichmann merely replied, yes, but he was Jewish, wasn't he? After Malkin's team finished grilling the former Nazi, they drugged him and packed him off to Israel where he was tried and hanged on May 31st, 1962. Malkin eventually served as the Mossad's chief of operations, uh, noted that because of his intelligence work being so secret, uh, he joked, I find myself having to explain to prospective employers a 27-year gap in my resume. He uh, broke his silence on uh, the Eichmann capture only uh, many years later when his mother was on her deathbed. It is not clear whether, uh, whether Simon Wiesenthal's um, uh, data was uh, crucial in the capture of Eichmann, but encouraged by the success of, of capturing that uh He opened the Jewish Documentation Center in a cramped three-room office in Vienna where he developed tips, research records, and tracked down witnesses which led to the prosecution of hundreds of war criminals and ignited public zeal in seeking justice done. Among his notable successes, the 1963 capture of Karl Silberbauer, the Gestapo agent who arrested Anne Frank and was then a police inspector in Austria. The 1966 arrest in Brazil of Franz Stangl, commandant of the death camps at Treblinka and Sobibor. Wiesenthal, he did receive an award last year in Los Angeles, and we thought about trying to contact him for this program. I'm I'm frankly sorry that we didn't. Uh, uh, didn't try more strenuously, it would have been difficult to have gotten him, but I wish we'd had a chance to speak to uh, a, a man who was really the conscience of the Holocaust. man is around 10,000 years from now. I think he will note 1945 is one of the most important uh, milestone years in the course of human history, at which point, of course, the evil empires, truly evil empires of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan were defeated. That year is also considered the birth of the Atomic Age, the electronic era started just about that time with, I believe, commercial broadcasting starting in 1948. And uh, we're all, almost all, thus uh, uh, children of a television generation. I'd venture to say that, uh, that most of you listening, uh, dear listeners, are, are, are of the TV era, probably being born after 1948. I would like to note the passing of three funny men from television Thomas Ross Bond passed away a couple days back uh, in Los Angeles he was known best as Tommy or more prominently as Butch the bullying nemesis of Alfalfa on producer Hal Roach's Our Gang comedies which came out of Hollywood in the 20s and 30s these comedies were repackaged for television in the 1950s as The Little Rascals where I would venture most of us saw them Mr. Bond apparently made his uh, debut uh, in 1937 in Glove Taps. In this one reeler, the character Butch announces he would establish himself in, as the neighborhood big shot by fighting a representative of the R Gang. And a reluctant Alfalfa uh, steps forward to uh, engage uh, uh, Butch. Apparently, my producer, Mr. McMillan, has actually seen this episode and says it is, uh, it is memorable and, and well known. And I'm sure that you probably noticed uh, the passing of Bob Denver at age 70. Uh, Bob Denver, I first knew him as Maynard G. Krebs on the Dobie Gillis show back in the 60s. Uh, he's, of course, better known as Gilligan. I was rather surprised you know that Gilligan's Island only ran for three seasons from 1964 to 1967, but has, of course, forever remained in syndication. Bob Denver, well, loved by many, although... <laughs> Though I must say, Gilligan's Island was not such a good show. The only laugh I think I ever got out of it was uh, the Thurston Howell III character, uh, played by Jim Backus, who managed to rise above the writing of the program. Uh, It was actually a line from his wife, who noted that at one point, I've never seen Thurston so upset. Why, he hasn't been this angry since the country club said they were going to admit a Democrat. Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for three. And I'm genuinely sorry to note the passing of Don Adams, television's Maxwell Smart from the Get Smart TV program. Uh, that, you know, I, there were many a laugh I enjoyed watching this spoof, spoof of the James Bond uh, movies. Some of the phrases from that show, would you believe, (laughs) or sorry about that chief, did enter the American uh, national lexicon. Mr. McMillan reminds me of, miss me by that much. People noted that Don Adams, who was a professional comedian before he uh, went on to television, uh, was actually a very bright guy, wrote poetry, had an interest in history, Uh, had a side to him that does not come through uh, via Maxwell Smart. Don in person was anything but bumbling, said a friend. He was under contract to NBC, was lukewarm about doing a spy spoof when he learned that Mel Brooks and Buck Henry had written the pilot script, at which point he accepted immediately. Get Smart twice won Emmy Awards for Best Comedy Series and three Emmys for Don Adams as a comedy actor. I always liked on the show when they'd be talking about something top secret with The Chief, played by uh, actor Edward Platt, at which point Agent 86, Maxwell Smart, would say, But Chief! Doesn't this call for the cone of silence? (laughs) At which point the chief would say, Max, you know the cone never works. But Agent 86 would insist, and they would lower this device from the ceiling, at which point they would both stick their heads in to have a top-secret conversation, which inevitably had the participants going, What? I can't hear you! And they would then, of course, have to raise this supposed anti-bugging device so that they could actually (laughs) actually exchange data. It really was a very good combination don adams as actor with a writing by mel brooks and buck henry uh, my, my all-time favorite which we will close the show with was it was a very simple scene they were having a party down at control headquarters and agent 86 went down at which point he joins about 10 cia types so we're standing there wearing three-piece suits looking very official each with A a drink in their hands, and all of them are wearing conical party hats. I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but the scene of a bunch of guys looking very grim and proper like federal agents, like FBI type guys, serious law enforcement guys, all wearing those brightly colored conical hats with tassels was a pretty funny moment. Our thanks in today's program to political activist Jerry Polakoff, a regular contributor, and Cheryl Qualset, who I'm sure you will hear more of here on KDVS, and also to Meryl Stratton from the office of our chancellor, Larry Vanderhoof. This has been Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next Thursday at 5. Stay tuned for Todd.